everyone. Welcome to HubShots episode 267. In this episode, we talk about the top 16 frustrations with HubSpot. Things like chat flows, marketing contacts, ads interface confusion, and much, much more. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales, service, marketing, and operations results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Really well, and a different kind of show. That's this right. Episode, listeners, so we're, we're moving from our usual shots format into, yeah, 16 frustrations. And I wanted to take a minute just to explain why we're doing this, because you might say, why are you talking about frustrations? Uh, if you get the show notes, you'll see I've got a quite a large preamble intro to it. But for those who don't have the show notes uh, yet, by the way, sign up at hubshots.com slash subscribe. Really, here's the approach. We've been doing this show, what, more than six years now, Ian, and I think listeners would say we're pretty positive about HubSpot in the main. That said, we do like to balance it by pointing out frustrations and issues as we come across them. By far the majority, it's very positive. I wouldn't say we're um, bleeding orange, as uh, some others in the community <laughs> tend to talk about, but we're very positive. It's a great product. And by, by the way, it's the basis of our own businesses and our livelihoods. So, of course, there's incentive for us to be uh, positive about it. However, I think there's value in highlighting some of the key issues that customers come across. And there's two reasons why. The first is because these frustrations, a number of them that we're going to go through in the show tonight are actually solvable. And we'll talk about how they're solvable. And this is especially the case if you've had HubSpot for a while. And in fact, even one of them that we're going to go through in the show, I didn't realize there was a solution for it until Ian pointed it out to me. So it's kind of been a frustration of mine for a while. And then Ian pointed out the solution. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know. Maybe if I don't know, some of our listeners don't know either. That's the first reason. And then the second reason really is just to highlight, well, look, even if it's not solvable, we at least want to acknowledge it because these are some of the key frustrations. And at least if you're aware of them, you can work around them or be aware of how you handle that in your business. So I think there's value in that. The final comment I'll just make is that I think HubSpot, like all good world-class organizations, is extremely happy and eager, I would say, to get feedback. They have a whole community forum with ideas and people are often getting on there just venting frustrations and things like that. And they are very appreciative of that. They respond to a lot of them. And uh, they actually take that feedback on board for improving the product. And that is what HubSpot does. That's actually what any world-class software company does. So I think we're in a good community here. But let's get started, shall we? All right. So let's start with uh, frustration number one is marketing contactees can't reduce. And it's to do with pricing, right, Craig? It is to do with pricing. And by the way, we're not going to talk about pricing as a frustration in a general sense. You know, people say, oh, it's too expensive. It's like, well... People will say that about anything. That's, it's actually about value. Do you get value from it or not? If you get value from it, it doesn't matter what the price is. So let's go, let's not talk about price. However, one part of pricing that we will talk about is marketing contacts. We've talked about this on the show and it's caught out customers more often than it should. So okay. I'll just explain the scenario. We're going to go through most of the, these frustrations quickly in the show, but this first one needs a little bit of context because it's not solvable. I think it is a problem and I share this frustration. So let's say you've purchased Marketing Hub Pro, you've got 2,000 marketing contacts. 
and then you're pretty you're pretty careful to keep that under 2000 but you have a great month and you get a whole bunch of leads come in from a form submit and of course their marketing contacts marked as marketing contacts goes over 2000 oh what do you know you bumped up by a tier of 5000 contacts so now you're paying for 7000 contacts marketing contacts you're kind of like oh wow I, well look let me get it under control we sort them out qualify oh no we've got it back under 2000 oh hang on i'm still being charged for 7000 Yes, and in fact, you will continue to be charged for 7000 forever. I think it's a terrible part of the product. It's extremely frustrating to clients. In fact, just this morning, I was chatting with one, and they're like, couldn't believe it. And frankly, I, I didn't know what to say. There's no defense. There's no justification for it. It's a terrible part of the product. It is a frustration. It's probably the most emotional I'm going to get about in any of these tonight, which is why we're doing it first. I just wanted to get it out of the way. We as partners have no control over this for customers. It's a HubSpot decision. I think it's a terrible decision and I hope they change it. But for now, there's no solution. And that is the one frustration that we can't solve. So, yep. I don't know if you've got any comments on that, Ian, but we'll just quickly move on, get past that one. No, I don't, Craig. But, you know, I've listened to many... uh user or a customer tell me how frustrated they are by accidentally doing certain things and then getting this bump. And now luckily at times, if they've been in the initial stages of sign up, they've managed to bump it back, but that's a pretty rare thing to see. And yeah, I'm like the crying shoulder you lean on when this happens. So (laughs) that's all I can say. Moving on to frustration number two, the drag and drop builder doesn't work. And I'd like to say this is actually solved. And it's probably more if you've been a longtime HubSpot customer and you've had lots of legacy email templates and website templates and so on, and landing page templates. And this is where you will have the issues prop up because you will you might have actually seen in your portal this lovely column that says, A-B testing. And as he says, no test or there is a test running. And people often see this and they go, oh, I've got to try that out. But then they go and try to edit their, let's say their landing page template and they can't do anything because it's in the old, it's built in the old way and they just don't have the flexibility to drag and drop. So I think with this, what is actually needs to happen is you need to just redo them using the new framework to use the drag and drop functionality. And this this is probably something that's worth looking at doing because it will make your life, your testing, your ability to roll out a lot quicker than you are using now. And sometimes alleviate some of the frustrations around uh, putting pages and emails together that people often have. So well worth looking at. All right, frustration number three, chat flow setup is confusing. This, I, I think, is a rare departure from HubSpot's typically intuitive user interface. For example, I think their workflows interface is very intuitive. And most of, and, and, and we know from clients, we often go in clients and they're like, oh, yeah, I've created this workflow. It was easy. I did this. Trigger actions. Great. The same is not said for the chat flow too. They're like, what is going on? How do I do this? And I think there's a reason why a lot of sites don't have the chat flow Uh, enabled, or if they do, it looks pretty simple and actually is a bad experience. You know, it kind of doesn't flow properly. And really the only way that you can solve this is by taking the time to learn it. It's one of those learning curve 
problems. So I will acknowledge, yes, I think the chat flow setup is confusing. However, it just takes time. It's one of those things. And there'll be another one in the list later on in the show, which is a similar boat. All right. Frustration number four, you can't create multiple knowledge bases. I I don't understand this. Uh, If you've got a portal that's got multiple brands, you can still only have one knowledge base. You can have multiple brands, multiple sites, multiple everything else, multiple email preference groups, but you can only have one knowledge base. I'm assuming they'll fix this at some point. Uh, It just seems anomalous to the rest of the product. But yeah, definitely a frustration. And also that means if you've got the new customer portal uh, functionality added, which is in beta for some of our clients, uh, you can only have one customer portal. So it's tied to the knowledge base. So again, another problem. All right. And leading on from that, frustration number five is the knowledge base styling is limited. And hopefully this is temporary. And the current tools for styling the knowledge base pages are limited. So things like colors, you can't even control the size of text and layout at the the moment. But, you know, all things in all, you've got to start somewhere, right, Craig? And I'm sure that in future, there will be the ability to make those updates as well. So keep an eye out for that. But like we said, there is a limitation around that. All right. The next one is frustration number six, which is survey styling is limited. Yeah, there's a few styling, I guess, areas of the product where it's limited. And yeah, you just covered knowledge bases, but yes, surveys. And we've actually had clients say, look, we can't actually use the HubSpot surveys because they just don't adequately capture our brand. They look just look jarring, so we can't use it. We're hoping that's uh, limited uh, or temporary as well and will be improved. The next is the ads, and number seven is the ads interface confusion, toggling campaigns on and off. And we've covered this a few times in the show because the ads tool has a toggle. And if you have a look at the screenshot, which looks like kind of just enabling or showing it up in the tool, but it's actually, it turns off campaigns. So just be careful with it. Yeah, uh, worth highlighting because you might look at the screenshot and go, yeah, well, of course it's turning it on or off. And I'm sure the product team, when they built it, and even now they look at it and go, no, of course it's turning campaigns on and off. Why on earth would you think it includes it on the summary above? And I can understand that. But, well, the reason we know this is because clients do it. You know, they've been trapped many times. They're like, oh, what's going on? The campaign's running. Oh, did you turn it off in the ads interface? No. Did you toggle this one off? Yeah, I, was, I wanted the total. Okay, you've actually turned the campaign off. So there's a difference between what product team and or you and I might think is intuitive and what users think is intuitive. So that's a frustration. The only solution to this is really education, getting to know the product. And so that is solvable in a sense. Uh, and one of the good things is that in the tool, I don't know if this is always the case or maybe they've limited it more recently, but unless you're the person that actually connected that ad account, you can't toggle those buttons. So that actually limits it. It's damaged in a, in a sense, but a lot of smaller businesses, you know, the, the owner of the business is in HubSpot. They're the one that connected it and they get caught out. We've seen it happen. That's right. And that is uh, something that's been fairly recently, but is now rolling out across. So uh, people who want to access the features need to connect themselves as users to access that feature. All right. Frustration number eight, can't create carousel posts in social media. And this is often asked about and people revert back to Facebook and Instagram to to build these kinds of posts. And looking back at the HubSpot community ideas, it looks like it's things that have been asked for quite a while 
in the community and other tools have them. So it's rather interesting that that's still one of those frustrations that are taking place. Yeah, actually, this one we should label a showstopper. We've actually got a big enterprise client. Uh, They're coming over to HubSpot and uh, we're going, oh, great, well, you get this, this and this and you get social. And they're like, oh, no, I think what the team has decided they're not going to use social in HubSpot because it can't do. And there's two things, carousel posts and also you can't upload caption files, SRT files against videos. And they're like, no, we're going back to sticking with their current tool. So it's a showstopper and uh, two little features that I've, well, I guess I don't know the ins and outs, but I feel are reasonably doable by the product team and yet they're probably just low, low down on the priority list. Well, they're losing business because of it. That's the frustration. And I guess the other thing to note, listeners, is make sure you do connect them because you get the reporting in HubSpot and that's important. So you can drag all of that reporting in and just use the external tools to create your carousel posts as needed. All right, frustration number nine, campaigns are confusing and Craig thought you couldn't rename them, but this is now possible. Tell me, why are campaigns confusing in HubSpot, Craig? I think there's a general lack of understanding about what the purpose is, first of all, of campaigns. And very quickly, uh, listeners, if you're using them, you know they're way, a way to group together assets and also provide high-level reporting and revenue attribution against a campaign. I, I think they're really good uh, and really useful. They take a bit of discipline to get them in place, but... They're potentially confusing because people go, oh, what? so do I create a new campaign for what? What What do I use it for? We explain, oh, well, you know, you use the assets, landing page, workflows, emails, tie them all together. Oh, okay, but what? can I use email in multiple campaigns? And what, what about work? So there's kind of a, a confusion there. And I don't think there's a good response that we come up with uh, for that. However, there is an education piece which kind of just trains people, oh, okay, here's what you should do. And in some ways, naming conventions are your friends when it comes to campaigns. The second thing is, and this has now been fixed, is but you can't rename uh, campaigns. And this is something clients have said and what I thought was the case, you can't rename campaigns. And historically, that was the case. And it was the case because the campaign name was actually used as the UTM parameter used in URLs that were shared on social, for example. Turns out now you can edit them. And thank you, Ian, for highlighting this to me. I didn't realize it. I didn't know. But you can edit them. And HubSpot's smart enough to actually keep and associate the previous UTM parameters with this Mm. new campaign name and still group it all together. So if you've used campaigns or tried to use them in the past and then got stuck and you're like, oh, I can't even rename them. I'm giving up on campaigns. You can actually go back, rename all your campaigns. They'll still all work and report up together. And they'll group your things together. So make use of them. I think this is solvable, but it just requires a little bit of discipline and getting up to speed on how campaigns are used. Now, I'll just add a little bit of background. UTM is called, well, it is a tracking module and it's called the Urchin Tracking Module, which was started with Google Analytics or what was Urchin at the time and then became Google Analytics. And that's how values are passed around to track things and that's what Craig was discussing about that piece, that tracking module that's actually being passed with the value or the parameter of the campaign name in, in the campaign's tool. All right. Frustration number 10, can't change lifecycle property stages. Now, I'm actually going to say this is a feature, not a bug. 
I agree. Uh, it is a frustration for customers, and I'll just explain why and then what we normally say and bring around. So as you would know, HubSpot has this property called Lifecycle Stage uh, on contacts. Uh, it does appear elsewhere, but on contacts we're mainly talking about. And that's uh, we've got a screenshot in the show notes. So they start as subscriber, then they go to lead, and the stages are marketing qualified lead, et cetera, right through to customer and evangelist. Now, new users on HubSpot, when they're setting up, they'll go, all oh, right, how do we change the lifecycle stages? Because we've got our own unique series or set of stages. And we go, oh, no, you can't. And they're like, oh, what? This isn't very flexible. Have you ever heard customers say, oh, HubSpot's not very, not very flexible? This is one of the key reasons why. And it's a frustration. However, it's actually a good thing. And the solution is, well, if you have these unique attributes of your business that you want to capture against a contact, you use other fields. I mean, there's lead status is one that's on a contact. You can also have deal pipeline stages. You have full control over those. That's where you manage the sales process. You can create custom properties if there's very specific areas of a customer life cycle that you want to capture. So the summary of that is when the frustration is you can't change life cycle property stages, the solution is use some custom properties or lead status field and treat this as a guide. We actually say uh, to clients that come in wanting to change, it's like, oh, you know what? HubSpot actually has a lot of experience across a lot of businesses and they've worked this out and they've got it right. Use it as a foundational guide for your business. Adopt this. Don't fight it. Have you seen the same response in clients? Absolutely, Craig. And I think when you really understand what that is, and I'm going to tell you the definition of it, the lifecycle stage is there for you to, gives you the ability to categorize your contacts and companies based on where they are in your marketing and sales process. And using this lifecycle stage enables you to determine where a specific contact or company in your process and understand how leads get handed off between marketing and sales. And that is one of the key aspects that people often miss. And I wanted to highlight that because that is something that is forgotten all the time. All right. Frustration number 11, can't exclude specific email addresses in forms. Now, why is this a frustration, Craig? Okay. So, you're probably aware that you can exclude domains in forms. You, you, I've got a screenshot. You just go to the email address field in a form. You can look at the options for that. And you can actually put in a list of domains to exclude anyone filling it out. So we, we actually have more than 50 domains we exclude from all our forms, built on years of experience from getting spam entries in. Uh, however, there are some domains that we we don't want to exclude the domain outright, but there are annoying people from this domain that they spam us every week. They've got a form submit going in. So I just wish I could exclude very specific email addresses in the forms. So that's not just me. I've had customers say, can we do this as well? And I think there's a big community thread on it also. But in saying that, Craig, we have other ways to stop this from happening, which we've discussed on parts of the show, right? Um, how so? By having a workflow that's looking for a particular email. Oh, then... yeah, but but they can still submit the form and that's right. become a marketing contact. Because we actually, yes. we used to go in and just delete them out. Yeah. But you're right. Now we actually leave them. So they're consuming a contact in our database, which, you know, maybe I'm maybe uh, over uh, concerned about one email address. But 
Yeah, we just have a workflow that just makes sure no one gets notified and they get marked as uh, excluded from workflows. So we do do that. But yeah, it's still, it'd be nice to to stop it at the source, right? That's right. All right, frustration number 12, files are a mess when you start to grow. And this is solvable, listeners. And what we find that this is not just a HubSpot thing, but this is files on Dropbox, files on your computer. It's the same thing. It's about how do you organize it efficiently and effectively. And having a good structure actually helps you grow and organize and make better choices by doing that. So a little tip is make sure you've got a good structure in HubSpot. So often we would say, I'll give you an example. You would have a folder that has images. So you have a folder that's named images, and then you might have images for emails. You'll create another folder for emails, one for landing pages, one for website pages, one for system images is another one as a good example, just to keep it in a very organized place and easy to find as well. You shouldn't have any images in your root directory when you click the file folder. And I've put an example there because in this particular account, they've got a template or a theme. I think it's a template from way back. And all of the images in the template appeared in the main folder structure, which is not very good. So I definitely spend the time to organize it and organize it well because it will facilitate your growth going forward. I think it's worth highlighting because when people say this, oh, it's a mess, what do I do? It's like, oh, you can actually move them. And you might think, oh, I don't want to move them because that'll break links on the side or break. No, HubSpot takes care of all of that for you. There's redirects or updates in uh, links. So, yep, you clean up your files system. You can move them around, put them into subfolders and everything. Get it all under control. It's all good. All right. And actually, in saying that, Craig, I just wanted to say, that doesn't just apply to files, it applies to your calls to actions, your landing pages, your workflows, your emails, and everything else. So it's well worth, I would probably say, well, we'll, at minimum, an annual cleanup when you're going through, looking at everything and just tidying it up so it's nice and tidy for the year ahead. All right, the next one is you can't, which is frustration number 13, you can't find marketing attribution details. And this is actually solved. Let's think back a year or two, Ian. This was a gap in the product. And we actually That's lost right. clients. Uh, they'd be like an enterprise client. We, we just need marketing attribution. They'd go off to other tools. And we've actually talked about that on the show. Well, 12 months is a long time in the software space and very happy to reflect on just how far HubSpot has come since then, and their marketing attribution that's been built throughout the product extensively is very reassuring. And we've now got clients coming back to HubSpot that actually went off to other big, more enterprisey, I'm using, you know, air quotes, enterprisey tools in the past. And it's worth highlighting that marketing attribution details appear, but not limited to, but appear in email reporting, they're in landing and website pages. Go and look at any of those and just, you know, review them. And you'll see, oh, there's an attribution section. They're in campaigns. Oh, revenue attribution. Oh, what do you know? Oh, and you can use attribution models. Great. There's specific attribution reports. In fact, you go into the reports section, there's attribution reports. Actually, in the reports menu, you can choose attribution reports. But then in custom reports, you can actually look at deal values and actually gather attribution, build your own custom reports that way. And then also just on the object sidebars, contacts, deals, et cetera, you can actually see revenue and other attribution stuff at an object individual item as well. So it's come a long way. It's not fully complete yet. It'll always be improving, but 
it's vastly improved and very capable. And so when people have this frustration, oh, marketing attribution's not there. It's like, ah, oh, have you actually looked at HubSpot lately? Because I'm pretty sure you'll be pleasantly surprised if you take another look. All right, frustration number 14, custom report builder is difficult to master. And we've mentioned this a few times in recent episodes where the custom report builder is an advanced tool and can be frustrating to use in getting up to speed. But stick with it, listeners, because once you've got through the plateau of despair, it's a very powerful tool. And it's easy to say, of course, when you're at the other end, but we're aware of how most customers don't venture far into the custom report builder because they just get scared by all of the options and feels and joins that you can do. So we encourage you to do the training and then utilize that to build some reports and get experience. Because as you build and as you try out, you will work out what works and what doesn't work and you'll start to see the fruits of your labor. All right, number 15, no automatic tax line in quotes. All right, this one is bewildering, Ian. It's, you're going to build a quote and yeah, most new users will go, oh, okay, so where do I set the tax settings? Because every single other quote proposal tool on the planet has it. No, you, you haven't missed it, folks. There's no tax line. Unless, you know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping there is, Ian, and, I, and I've missed it and they released it in the last week quietly and I haven't seen it. I hope a listener goes, oh, it's there and proves us wrong. But so far, I don't think that's the case. No, it's not, Craig. And it changed a couple, uh, not long ago, where it said one-time tax. They changed the naming of the the fields. And that got me excited because I thought, oh, it's a one-time tax field. Well, where's the default setting? But anyway, that's not there as yet. So maybe it's on its way. And we certainly hope in the not-too-distant future. It's funny how the little things uh, can be so frustrating, right? <laughs> it's like, where is it? Oh, no, no, it's not there. Look, it, it'll take you 10 seconds to add that. Sure. But yeah, people are still frustrated by this. So yeah. That's right. That's the way it is. All right. And our last and final frustration, number 16, pop-up form styling is limited. And as a general comment, HubSpot forms are very flexible and the power of them to provide the best tools to the market that we've actually used. And you know what, listeners, a pop-up tool or the pop-up form is one of like hidden gems that we often talk about and we implement because it works and it it works because it gets results. It's quick to implement and you can make changes and make it better. So as much as you don't have flexibility about um, certain colors or styling, you've got you've got some flexibility over positioning and fields. And there is a limit of four fields that are being captured on that form. Just be aware of that. And there's a good reason because it is a pop-up form and you don't want something so long that it falls off the page and uh, you can't set a background image, etc. So there are limitations, but you know what? Overall, it works. And so I'm not complaining about that, but just be aware that that is a limitation in the system. All right. So... Listeners, there is the 16 frustrations that we've come up with HubSpot. If you've got more, we'd love to hear from you or let us know. And we'll include that in this show at a later time when we do an updated version. And uh, if you want to avoid the frustration, follow us on the socials, I say, and uh, hit us up. Connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you haven't already subscribed to the show notes, subscribe at hubshots.com. And Craig will respond to you because that comes from his email. And that's the best way to connect with him. Again, like we said, 
If you do need help, we do have HubSpot coaching that we're offering and you'll get Craig and myself on there on a weekly basis to work through your HubSpot. So you kind of get a bit of a acceleration, I would say, through your HubSpot journey to get started and start getting results. Well, Craig, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.